Welcome to the Middle Age-ish Podcast, authentically and unapologetically keeping it real, discussing all things middle age-ish, a time when metabolism slows and confidence grows. Join fashion and fitness entrepreneur Ashley Badoski, former Celtic woman and founder of the Lisa Kelly Voice Academy, Lisa Kelly, licensed psychologist and mental health expert, Dr. Pam Wright, and highly sought-after cosmetic injector and board-certified nurse practitioner, Trisha Kennedy-Roman. Join your hosts on the journey of Middle Age-ish. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Middle Ages Podcast. I'm Trisha Kennedy-Roman, and I'm joined here today with my co-host, Ashley Badosky, Lisa Kelly, and Dr. Pam Wright. And this evening, we're going to be joined by a specialist in pelvic floor therapy and physical therapy. Very interesting. It's going to be Dr. Karen Staples. And as middle-aged women, I think we have a lot of questions for her. Well, we all know I do. I mean, (laughs) I I just need to, like, first and foremost, just be like, okay, so when can I book? Like, what's your next opening? Um, Mm -hmm. Because this, yeah, I need to be proactive about it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, we shouldn't be yeah. peeing our pants. No. Like, I, I really mean, shouldn't. I can't jump on a trampoline at I all. Can't, no, no. I can hardly sneeze if I start laughing too oh, much. Yes, that's the worst. And then it's oh. just like, there's that, like, when you're rushing to the bathroom. Like, it's just, where's your dignity? Oh, like, no. what, I know. We're back in toddlerhood where you like you go potty in your pants and right. you're like, uh-oh, I'm sorry. You, you know the sneeze. It, like, does that happen oh, to you? Oh, you, you know, know it's which coming. one you're going to pee. Like, some sneezes are fine, but then you have one sneeze and you go, oh, no, Ooh. this is this is it. This is it. So it's got to the stage. Like you gotta crush your leg. It's so unfair because, mm-hmm. like, we went through potty training. Yeah. <laughs> I think our male listeners right now are thinking, oh boy. They're but, like, yeah. not another one. But I think, too, though, when I was researching pelvic floor there, because even in being a medical field, I didn't know a lot about that. But I also read that it can really help with low back pain, which is definitely me. So I'm oh, really anxious to hear I about didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Like I have piriformis syndrome. And, um, Wait, what is that? It's where like the muscles in your butt kind of are tight. And so then it, it makes your low back hurt. Oh. Um, and you got so a tight bus? I do. <laughs> I uh, you got a yes, tight yes, little tush over there, Trisha. Yeah, Trisha. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, I wish. Well, but, now that we're doing live, stand up, turn yeah. around. <laughs> That's what the male viewers are yeah. tuning in yeah. for. Yeah, yeah, you're like, oh, hold on a second. We've got something for you guys. <laughs> If only that's how it works. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it does. That that's exactly. Hundred percent. And I'm, here we are. I'm excited though to hear about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know we're talking about physical therapy, but like for a gynecologist, nobody tells you mm-hmm. what you're supposed to do when you go there. I imagine if you go in kind of <sighs> blinded, that that's a pretty big surprise. Or or even mammogram. I remember like uh, I don't mammograms. know, like like oh, okay, this won't be too bad. Yeah, you're like. Why the hell does this hurt so much? Like what? <laughs> and why I'm telling you right now, a guy developed that. Hey, do we have to have our boobs pressed to like the size of a very thin pancake? Well, I said it anyway. the last time I was in. I was like, "This is crazy." I was like, "If they had to test for testicular t- cancer this way, we surely would do something different." But she was saying, she was like, "No, but it's really improved." I was like, well, "Has it really?" Mm-hmm. But it has. Not that in is such a great comparison. Oh my god, it would be new invention next day. Can you imagine just your husband's having to get in stirrups? 
Like just that nope. alone? No, Scott wouldn't do it. There's no <laughs> way if Scott had to come in. Right. To, just yeah. here we are. Now, if that's the way the prostate exam was and they had to put their feet in stirrups, there's no way. Yeah. <laughs> there's just no way he'd do it. I know he wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Speaking of stirrups, we are now ready to talk all about pelvic floor therapy because we now have Dr. Karen Staples here to join us. She is a wife, mother, and physical therapist and a nationally certified Pilates teacher, a business owner with over 20 years of clinical experience and teaching experience, and she's driven by her passion for creating an environment focused on wellness and optimal health. Karen founded Pro Health Physical Therapy and Pilates Studio in 2005, and she specializes in pelvic floor therapy. So we are really interested in that because we don't know a lot about it. And we're welcome. At least some of us are in it. Yes. (laughs) And I'm right there with you. I'm in in definitely in that middle ages. So fit in the same, fit in the crowd. It's a fun crowd. When we talked about potty training when we were younger and now we're having to potty train when we're older. So talk us through, like we we need all of the information to- What do do we need to do? Yeah. How do you potty train us? (laughs) So the first thing that I like to say to people is just to explain the pelvic floor. What is it? What's the anatomy? Where is it? Because literally all humans have it. The idea here is that when somebody comes in and they come in and they've been experiencing leakage or they're having pain during intercourse or other things, there's a lot that goes on in the whole area coming from both your breathing diaphragm down to the pelvic floor. But specifically the pelvic floor, it goes from your pubic bone to your tailbone and to either bone that you sit on. So it sits in this area like a hammock. Lisa, being a singer, very familiar with the diaphragm, but looking at it's the same shape. It's just facing the other way. So the breathing diaphragm sits in your rib cage like an umbrella and your pelvic floor is an upside down umbrella. And so the two have to be able to work together. And what I find is that a lot of people start to think, I'm not really sure how I could even find it. So just if everybody's sitting and not driving in their car doing this, just to feel what is even happening in that pelvic floor, if you take your hand and place it on your sacrum, so the sacrum is that triangle bone at the base of your spine. And then take your middle finger. This is not live. (laughs) Wiggle it in between so you feel your tailbone. So you're going down the crease in between. Okay, so you want to have that finger curved underneath. So, ladies, I give a different cue for men. But for ladies, put your mind's eye where your vaginal opening is. And your vaginal opening, think of it like your mouth. So the mouth is a little bit open. So you want to think of closing it and draw it up and in. And then release. And what you should feel is you may feel the release more than you felt the tightening. Okay. Okay. So if you think as you kind of pull in, you'll feel your finger, like it's like your tailbone gently curls under, pulls away from your finger a little bit. And then when you release, then you feel it come back. Mm -hmm. So that's your pelvic floor. That's a pelvic floor contraction. So what happens is sometimes about 40% of people do that contraction wrong. Mm -hmm. So they push out instead of pull up. And so the biggest challenge is to make sure that we get that balance in that pelvic floor first, but then there's the other parts in that center unit of your body that you want to be able to balance out as well. But just to start out, like what even is the pelvic floor? Mm -hmm. It's these muscles that attach to bones that actually don't even move. So the tailbone has that little bit of movement, but if you think of all the other muscles in the body, bones move. And so you can think of if you're doing an elbow bend and straighten, you can think, okay, I've got to move my biceps or another muscle, the brachialis, I've got to move those. But the pelvic floor is different because you're lifting tissue up and away and creating this hammock lift. So what causes that that as we get older, like for that to change? I know like we talk about when we laugh and when we sneeze Mm -hmm. and all that stuff, that wasn't, Mm -hmm. that didn't Mm -hmm. happen to us when we were younger or whatever. So what causes this lovely change? So 
Truly, as some of the episodes had said earlier, hormones are a big thing. The change in hormones, the decrease in estrogen has an effect throughout the entire body. It's another reason why during this time period that a lot of women will experience muscle pain and joint aches because there's estrogen receptors throughout the entire body. So as those estrogen levels change, you can have these other symptoms that come up. And one of which is that pelvic floor isn't quite as strong as it once was. And so there's an element, you don't use it, you lose it. So in general, if you're doing fine, meaning, okay, I'm walking around and I'm not peeing all the time, your pelvic floor is doing most Mm -hmm. of its job. But when you cough or you sneeze, what happens is pressure increases in your abdominal cavity. And with that pressure increasing, things have to change. So meaning that the abdominal muscles have to be able to engage, the pelvic floor has to be able to engage. You've got to be able to have this balance. And what happens sometimes as we get older, those trunk core muscles, they get weaker, whether it's because of postural changes, less activity, changing other things, weight change. Because if you change in weight and one common thing in menopausal, perimenopausal time is to gain weight around the middle, as you've had some discussions on other podcasts. So you gain weight there, those muscles in that abdominal area stretch similar to some degree, not the same, but to some degree like they stretch during pregnancy. But in this case, it's stretching and there's other tissue that's stretching it. And so we need to be able to maintain that support. And so this inner part of the body is a canister. So if you think of an image like a soda can, the top of the can and the bottom of the can are the strongest. And then you've got this nice tension around the middle part. When you release and open up the soda can, that's like breathing for the diaphragm, that pressure changes. Imagine instead of taking that release, you're just pushing more on the can. So then that middle has to be able to expand. And if it can't handle it very well, then unfortunately something might leak out because the floor part is, ah, I can't hold it all. Oops, sorry. (laughs) Yes, I can't do all the work. I need my friends. We're all falling apart. All the friends are falling apart. So Karen, does it work the same way then for men or is it just something that doesn't affect men? It just doesn't work the same way. It does in some ways, but the interesting thing for men is they generally have a prostate. So what happens in men when they have to have a prostate surgery removal because Mm -hmm. of cancer, that's when they generally experience leakage. Mm -hmm. What's interesting is men will not tolerate it. Once they start leaking, they're going to start to figure out, what can I do to stop this? I don't want to wear a pad. This is embarrassing. I don't want to do any of that. Women, it's, oh, I had a kid. Oh, I, I, you know, this happened. Oh, it's okay. My mom did too. It's not a big deal. But what happens is if it keeps going at a little pace, Then all of a sudden it's, oh, that happens like once a year if I laugh really hard and I haven't gone to the bathroom in time. And then all of a sudden it's, okay, it's like once a month. And then it starts to become almost every day and it's, oh, fine, I just need to wear a panty liner. But then that panty liner gets bigger and that's more of a problem. Now that's a bigger issue and then now it's a bigger issue to solve. So the sooner we can get in and have things to be able to address it, the better. You know, as you had Tracy on earlier in episode five, talking about all the vaginal rejuvenation and other things that that can be done. But she even mentioned the pelvic health PT. If that component can happen first to some degree or in partnership, it helps in the long range to not have other things down the line, which can be really problematic Mm -hmm. where it's pelvic organ prolapse, where now the organs, instead of staying where they're supposed to be, they're actually falling down. How do you get to the point where you know, okay, this will really help this person versus doing something medical or doing a sling? I always tell people it's the best first line of defense. So let's just say if you need to have surgery, 
no matter what surgery you would have in your body, the stronger you are going in, the better your outcome. So there's different stages to a pelvic organ prolapse. Let's say somebody's like, I've got a stage two and the doctor thinks I might need to have surgery. If everything can get stronger beforehand, then it makes the post-operative recovery so much better. So the goal would be to take something from a certain stage to at least go back a stage from stage two to stage one. But if we're already in a stage four, that means things are actually coming out of the vaginal canal. There's actually something, somebody's feeling something. That's definitely much more of a severe issue that needs to be addressed. That makes sense. So what are some of the signs that typically bring people in? We know peeing when you sneeze and leakage, but what are some of the other Mm -hmm. things that people need to look for that maybe they need to come in and look Mm -hmm. at pelvic floor therapy? I'm a big proponent of somebody after they've had a baby to go ahead and within that first six to eight week timeframe as you're recovering and being a new mom to have that, which I've seen that more. I feel like the younger moms are really addressing that sooner. It's something that's talked Mm -hmm. about more. But then as somebody has gone on longer and it's so it's something I've had, the sooner the better at any time. So it's one of those, if you're somebody that, you know, every time you get in the driveway, you've driven home from running errands and you come in the driveway and you're like, oh my goodness, I am not going to make it inside the house. I'm going to pee my pants. There's definitely breathing techniques and other things to help with that urgency. So these are individuals that maybe not leaking when they cough or sneeze, but they're leaking because they feel that desire, that need to go to the bathroom. So working on some techniques to be able to help calm that down. But the difference is anytime you're leaking urine, the bottom line, it's never normal. I never knew about this when I had the kids. This was never Mm -hmm. discussed. I mean, I only heard about it when I got older because you get to your 40s and now 51 or whatever. And now it seems that people are talking about a little bit more, but I think that's amazing that now younger women are discussing it or they're knowledgeable about it. Because again, guys, I was never told about this. And I think that's a big draw of social media. Yeah. Social media has definitely helped to put the word out. No, I think it's, I think again, like you were saying, it's better to be proactive than reactive Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. I'm now reactive. (laughs) I'm like, okay. But when it, came up for discussion, it was like, oh, well, it's because you're older and your body is just like mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. vacation permanently. This is Check. just something I definitely would have done after babies had I've known about it. Oh my, it's, it's always been a I thousand know about years. it. I definitely need, like I remember my you? mom telling me, my mom had wow. my sister, she's eight years younger than me. So I remember my mom after her doing all those right. books you used to get after you had a baby years ago that would show you all the exercises oh, yeah. to do to get rid of your baby tummy and everything. But I always remember her telling me to do my pelvic floor exercises. So I did them from a really young age and then just felt like I'd failed everybody <laughs> when I pee See, my pants yes. when I'd sneeze because I was like, I did everything right. And I used my pelvic wow. floor all the okay, time. Okay. That's absolutely amazing. Cause I mean, that's why when I got older, I was like, what on top of everything else that <laughs> is changing this? in your body. Now we have to go back to potty mm-hmm. training. This yeah. is insane. So I think it's fantastic that women are just being proactive at a younger age. I'd heard that years ago. And I think this theory has been totally debunked, but you can when like when you were peeing, I, they, when we were younger, they used to say stop and start your pee ah. to strengthen your pelvic muscle. But I believe that theory is absolutely wrong. Yeah. The wrongness of it is because there's a sphincter at the base yeah. of your bladder that's not under your voluntary control. So it listens to the bladder above and the pelvic floor below. And so if you're peeing, when the pelvic floor muscles are actually stretched and everything's supposed to be relaxed, and then you all of a sudden stop, that sphincter's, oh, uh, we're done. Uh, okay. 
and then you try to start again. And then it's, and it's also a very challenging position for mm-hmm. the muscles. So it's not a great place to practice because you're really making it practice at its like most intense part. So as women are urethra are four inches long. So gravity really helps a lot to get the urine out. Men have the prostate because the urethra is 11 inches long or so. And so they need that prostate to help pump it out. And that's the problem when there's a prostate tectomy is that they don't have that anymore. So there's some elements of having some of that urine sitting in the tube for longer and other things that, that the pelvic floor now has to play a much stronger role than they didn't have that before. Makes sense. That's just crazy. Wow. Do you think with Kegels, do most people not do them correctly? So about 40% of people don't do them correctly. So the pelvic floor contraction is called a Kegel and it's named after a doctor, mm-hmm. Dr. Arnold Kegel, because back in the 70s, he was like, this is the cure for urinary incontinence. Do Kegels, do 150 of them a day. It's not the cure because you can actually overwork the pelvic floor and make it so tight that you will still leak. So there are marathon runners that have super strong pelvic floors, but they leak because they lack that ability to have that balance between the breathing diaphragm, the abdominals, the back muscles, and the pelvic floor. So it is important to know if you're doing it correctly. It is a lift up and in, not a push Mm -hmm. out. And then if somebody's breathing from their chest and they're doing something all from their chest, they're not actually getting that good breathing element from the breathing diaphragm. Like I said, you've got these two kind of umbrellas sitting. And as you breathe in, the pelvic floor has to stiffen Mm -hmm. to prevent those abdominal organs and the pelvic organs from falling out of the body as well. But you have that stiffness around the middle that has to help as well. So being able to balance everything on out. Oh my God. Lisa, uh-huh. you should be really well balanced because you have a yeah. really good diaphragm and you've been working no, honestly, on your I know pickles. it's funny that I'm going to ruin a, a song for everybody right now when I tell you this story. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Oh, all right, we're ready. So, Do we need to take a drink? Oh, yeah, it's like, okay, are we ready? <laughs> so probably one of the most famous songs that we did in Celtic Woman is a song called You Raise Me Up. Oh, yeah. So when we were on tour, we would have a live band on tour and we'd be singing live with the band. But because a lot of the backing track is orchestral, they're obviously not with us on tour. Mm-hmm. So you have a backing track, which is live. And there's a thing thing called a click track. And the click track keeps the live musicians, the live singers in time with the tracked orchestra. Mm -hmm. So years ago, she'll kill me. uh, Chloe was really young. She was about 18 or 19. We had this conversation in the dressing room about, you know, your pelvic floor exercises. And obviously we were always trying to keep Chloe up to date with everything. We were all older. So I was like, listen, this is what you're going to do. In the middle of you raise me up, we have a click track that clicks every couple of seconds. Every time it clicks, you're going to do your pelvic floor exercises. I used to tell her, you couldn't tell, but you were doing it anyway, because you had this big ball gown on. But I used to stand directly behind her and we'd come off after the song. I went, you didn't do those properly. (laughs) She's going to kill me. Um, But yeah, no, that honestly through singing, you have to use your pelvic floor muscle so much when you sing in conjunction with your diaphragm. But it's just amazing that I didn't know that either until I had to teach. And you have to think about what your body actually is and your body does it naturally. That's the crazy thing is your body actually Mm -hmm. does it naturally without you thinking about it. But it's just, you don't realize you're doing it. And we all know the song. Yeah. We all know the song. Foot yeah. bones connected exactly. to the ankle bone, right? Just, yeah, now <laughs> the, 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 yeah, the balance of it. And it is amazing, like these muscles in the core of your body, right. if we want to talk about like from your shoulders to your hips as a Pilates teacher as well, that's what we're working on all the time, having all of that. But the idea is that this core of the body has to be able to function well and things should do their job without you having to think so hard about it. Thinking about when you're younger, you never really thought about, oh, I need to go to the bathroom. Like when you thought about it, you thought about it. Not too young because then you're too busy doing something and don't want to take the time to go to the bathroom. But the idea that being able to 
know that these things function without you thinking so hard about Mm -hmm. it. And that's what our body is designed to do. It wants to do the least amount of effort to do the task. Mm -hmm. And if things are lined up well and they're functioning well, that's what's going to happen. When there's injury, when there's trauma, like a vaginal delivery, or even a Mm C-section. And I think that's mistaken sometimes when people have a C-section. They're like, oh, good, my pelvic floor will be Mm -hmm. fine. But there's still an imbalance in this whole core system because those muscles had to be cut. It is major abdominal surgery. Mm -hmm. And if anybody had abdominal surgery for any other reason, most of the time they'd be said, you cannot lift more than eight pounds for the next six months. But hey, you had a C-section. Next day, here, here's your eight-pound baby. (laughs) That's just going to get bigger as you go. That's crazy, actually. Mm -hmm. That's really insane. So I know like each person is individual, but what what do you see as far as time frame of therapy and the length of it, like when someone could start to see improvement. Now, again, I know that it it depends on the severity and, mm-hmm. and situations, but for the most part, does your patients all see improvement? And is it a six month? Is it a three month? Is it a 12 month? What What's a typical timeline? Generally in four to six weeks. For a new patient, I'm spending an hour to 45 minutes with that person going through, when did this start? What's going on and what's happening to your body and looking at all the things. And I just want to hear it all. And then I'm asking questions. So how many times do you go to the bathroom during the day? How many times do you go during the nighttime? How many times are you waking up specifically to go to the bathroom? How are your bowel movements? Do you have pain during intercourse? Do you still have a menstrual cycle? What do you use for hygiene? All of those kind of specific things. And then the next part goes through, let's look at how do you check the body out? So I'm looking at how does your spine move? How do your hips move? What's the strength of your abdominal muscles, your back, your hip? I'm just trying to clear out to see what other components are part of this. If somebody's having pain, knowing that as a physical therapist, I do some manual therapy on muscles, there is a next step to look at, okay, are these muscles painful? So looking at an internal assessment and again, getting clearance from the patient and knowing that just to see how the muscles are. The interesting thing on the pelvic floor, so if you look at your finger and you bend your index finger at the first really big knuckle, not the little one at the very end, but the Uh first big knuckle. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. From the tip of your finger to that knuckle, that's the length of your pelvic floor muscles. That's how far up in that vaginal canal they go. The rest of the vaginal canal, because most of you are going to be thinking, oh yeah, it's higher than that. It goes up further. That's mucosal lining, just like the inside of your mouth. Mm -hmm. So it's a self-cleaning oven. So the pelvic floor is really at the bottom part, but it's pretty deep. There's three layers of muscles there. And so that's what we're working on. So you can't really get the gist of how well the muscles are working, there's some of it that are still further in, in that canal to be able to assess. And then from there, I always give homework. As a physical therapist, you're always going to leave with some level of homework, but I'm always cognizant to know how can I link it to things that you're doing during the day? Because sometimes there's things that happen that it's based on positionings you put yourself in that you don't know that you are. For instance, if you stand and you always stand and put your weight on one leg. You're always leaning to one side. There's going to be one side of your pelvic floor that's going to be working better Mm. than the other side because you're putting weight over there. If you stand and you have a really long curve in your back, like the curve goes up towards your shoulder blades, it's going to make your abdominal muscles weaker Mm -hmm. because they're stretched out. You're not having that good balance. So there's that balance Mm -hmm. in there. But if you're doing your homework and you're doing the things you need to do, then it's within four to six weeks that 80% of people are going to see significant improvement in that short period of time. And they should. And if they don't see that improvement, then there's something that now we need to go ahead and get some other medical providers. It's outside of my scope 
scope at that point and being able to go through. My big thing, you know, as people come to see me, it is a partnership. I want you to be better. I always want my patients and people to feel better. But if they're not putting in the effort, you know, we got to meet in the middle. This is just, yeah. it's crazy how it all goes home. Yeah, oh my gosh. I like, Again, I learned so much from each of our podcasts. And it's amazing how some people that they just a few weeks ago had a a patient come in and she's been having urgent incontinence. So where she gets that feeling, I have to go to the bathroom so bad, I'm going to pee my pants and starts peeing before she gets to the bathroom. And within two weeks, just by doing some of the techniques, I told her, she said, I don't do that Mm, anymore. It doesn't happen. Two weeks ago, you all talked about like the mind body, the Mm. spiritual connection as well. And there is so much of that connection of how your mind works and your body and how can you find that connection to be able to to put Mm. everything together. That's crazy. I was listening to a girl on a podcast the other day who was talking about the urge to pee when you're in the shower and how bad it is for you to give in to that urge. Is that true? It is true because then all of a sudden your brain will Mm -hmm. link hearing water to having to pee. So whatever your brain links together, so what is ever wired together fires together per se. And in that case, it's if you give into it, that means anytime you go to wash dishes or wash your hands, your body will think, ooh, I got to pee. It linked it together right. as that's a psychological mind. too. Yeah. It's almost yeah. like a, if I have a car mm-hmm. accident and it's raining, then I think every time it rains, you're going to crash. I, right. Car. So then people won't get in their car. So it's a whole psychological oh that makes gosh. a lot of sense. That's mm-hmm. crazy. So if someone does the exercises and they do better in four to six weeks, do they continue for the rest of their lives? Do they have to just keep doing it every so often? I like to have people do it every so often because you have to create those Mm -hmm. new habits. So it takes that period of time to create those new postural habits, those new movement patterns. So it's good to have those foundational exercises that literally take anywhere from three to five Mm -hmm. minutes, not really long. It's just part of your routine. And so it's just like with anything, sometimes you just have to do your prep work to be able to have everything else go better. And that's what a lot of these exercises are, just very much foundational prep Mm -hmm. work. Do you feel that people have gotten better about coming to you for things like this? Because to be honest, I would never have thought to go to a physical therapist. Oh, absolutely. I would have assumed you just go to your gynecologist. Yes. So yes and no. So I would say yes and no, because even some of the gynecologists don't even offer it. They don't even say, I will give you a referral to physical therapy. Because just like you said, they'll go to their gynecologist and they'll be asked the question. And they're like, you know what? I'm going to answer yes this time. I'm going to be honest and say, yeah, that's happening. And they're like, oh here's some creams or here's this and let's just revisit this instead of saying. And what I've noticed is some of the older, like when I say an older mom, like maybe their daughter has had their first child and is really keen about pelvic floor health. And they're like, the mom's, I still leak when I sneeze. She's like, oh, you shouldn't do that. And then they're coming in saying, my daughter said I wasn't supposed to do this. So I don't know really why I'm really here with you. (laughs) But then we explain, let's work on the muscles and all of that. And they were surprised because again, they thought, I just have to live yeah. with this. My mom had this right. happen. Or that. Getting it's older. Definitely a common yeah. issue. What's your thoughts mm-hmm. about the new, some of the new procedures and things that are out there, like the Mona Lisa and the things that people can do for tightening or rejuvenation? Is, does that help and go along with it or is it a completely different thing? I'd look at it on a spectrum. So it's some things that some people need to have based on lots of different things that they've had a little more trauma, things are a little bit more stretched. The tissue as the decrease in estrogen and the change in the collagen, it affects people differently. So that's where that gamut of everything. It can get with the Mona Lisa at times, and I've seen this with some patients, it gets too Mm -hmm. tight. So now that person went to get this procedure to be able to help tighten things up, and then it went a little too Mm -hmm. far, and now they're having 
pain during intercourse or they're having difficulty fully releasing their bowels because things are too tight. So we need to work on the opposite and make sure that things are stretching. So with any procedure, there's always risks and benefits. I think it's so important too, because Tracy said before, is you could do these exercises wrong. So it's important to have someone guide you through yeah. that because oh my God, that would I would be hate me. to think, yes, totally I'm doing some, the wrong the thing and it's and... not helping at all. So I actually have an online course and I call it the power of your flower that oh I go over a lot of these other things it. that just talk about different exercises that are just beyond, that's just beyond Kegels. It's not just Kegels. When I graduated PT school in 1998 and I went to my first continuing ed in, in pelvic health in 99 and it was called Beyond Kegels, that practitioner that was teaching, she worked with Dr. Arnold Kegel and she's, he's not got it all. But so taking a lot of that and different people I've worked with over the last 25 years and just taking that information, I have a website, drkarenstaples.com and it's called The Power of Your Flower. There's some other courses on there, but that just is a great place to start. I love that's the amazing. name, but we will definitely yeah. post that link when we post yeah, this no, podcast. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And knowing yeah. Karen, this will probably be the most thorough thing you have ever seen. There is nobody I know who works harder than this woman. She's incredible. <laughs> She's absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing thing to think of how much the incontinence industry has on advertisements to make the products that they have look more appealing for people right. to use. So again, having that in versus in my opinion is, okay, that's great. And that's something to be able to utilize at a time, but let's do some other things and see, can, can we, we make start? that yes. better rather than having to go to that? It's unfortunate that many times as people care for their aging ad- adulting parents, that at some point, that's usually the reason when they have to start changing their adult parents' diapers. That's usually where they draw the line and they need to be able to put them into a facility or something. So the goal is that we want to keep as continent as possible for as long as possible. So our children do not need to put oh us in gosh. a yeah. skilled nursing yeah. facility. I'm a mom of all boys, so I'm probably fast tracking it to the nursing home anyway. <laughs> so <laughs> me I really too. All right, Trisha, it's going to be me and you, babe. <laughs> so me I really need you. to be working on my exercises to at least keep me continent for as long as I can be. <laughs> You're just going to hope for really amazing yes, daughter-in-law. Yes, I know. Correct. Yes. It's hard at that point at that, just different things to deal with. So we want to make sure that we can do everything we can for yeah. our own bodies mm-hmm. to keep ourselves living longer. And the things that help us to live longer are moving. That's the mm-hmm. number one thing by keeping our body active. It's the number one reason that people live longer mm-hmm. better is moving their bodies. And that's, that includes being able to do things that help to keep ourselves, all of our joints lubricated and muscles moving. I think the main thing that you said there that resonates with me is just knowing it's just not normal. I think that's been a common theme, like two very common themes in most of our podcasts is one, just accepting things as well. I'm middle-aged now. This is just how it is, whether it's relationships, your body, different things happening. And the other common theme is being proactive with everything. Again, whether it's your body, relationships, Mm -hmm. anything. I also think as women as well, you're programmed to look after everybody else first anyway, before it gets to you. And then you just, again, it's that, oh, I'm older and oh, I'm female. And, right. And it just, it's we're great with excuses because everyone else's priority. I just wanted to put out some numbers just so that way, again, people, there's some sense of normalcy, but there's also that sense of just realizing that there are things to be done. So 50% of people of women will experience joint and muscle pain going through perimenopause, menopause. So it's quite a big group of people, but the biggest things to help are movement. And what I find as we're coming into this stage and can include myself, the things that you always did before don't seem to work yes. anymore. 
Like the way you exercise, the way you moved your body, it's like either it doesn't feel good because it was high intensity before and a lot of heavy jumping or heavy weights or things like that. It's still important to do strength training, mm-hmm. but it's also important to do some sort of what I like to put in a mindful movement mm-hmm. practice, whether it's something like Tai Chi or yoga or Pilates, something that allows you to work on that mind-body yes. connection and mm-hmm. how am I lining my body up? How am I moving? And that also helps in that range of motion and, and making sure you get that joint lubrication along with just getting your hydration, which links it back to the leakage issue because a lot of people say, I don't want to drink more water because Mm -hmm. I'm going to pee more or I might pee on myself more. So being able to balance that out and knowing when you're hydrating and putting all that and knowing that's important for the rest of our skin and everything like that to to stay, but that knowing everything Mm -hmm. kind of binds together all the things that being able to move is really important. That's great. Yeah, because I know like knees and hips. Yeah. What happened? Yeah. <laughs> Karen, you are so incredibly oh knowledgeable. Gosh, yes. This was yes. amazing. There, there's so much information about our pelvic floor that I had no idea I needed to know. There you go. Yeah, yeah. but it's hopeful. And yeah, I think that's, that's like the, the gift that you give is that it's hopeful. Yep. So, and can be fixed. Yes. So yes. thank you for that. Yes. yes. Just have to put yes. some effort in. You're welcome. We'll do that. <laughs> thank you, Karen. Thank, yes, you. thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank I appreciate you. it. Thank you. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, it was yeah. so amazing. Oh, I'm telling you, that was so informative. But it does sound like you do get an exam when you see her. Yes. I mean, it makes sense because she's going to treat it. She needs to know. Not well, the she needs to know the muscles. Well, I well, don't have a problem with that, but I – not the back door. Well, probably men don't have but, a choice, but we maybe she can check it from the front. But yeah, there's different sides of it, I suppose, depending as well. Well, then I'm going to have to call her and I'm going to have to do a conversation over the phone question. I'm (laughs) going to go. I'm actually going to fall. I'm going (laughs) to. I'm actually going to have my own questionnaire that I present to Dr. Karen. Before you go in. Now you're making Uh, us look like wusses because men do have to get prostate exams. Don't Uh, even. (laughs) Yeah. We already talked about that. (laughs) No. No. Men. Apps. No. We are badasses. A thousand percent. Without question. Mm -hmm. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. Oh, that's the only one they have to get done. They don't have to have like pap smears. They don't give birth. No, they don't. No. No. Nope. Nope. You're right. Take it all back. I'm sorry. Although my husband (laughs) did tell me because he's had kidney stones and he swears to me. Oh, Which I'm not. And and I've had them. I've given birth. Kidney stones worse. One because I had Trisha, we're gonna we're gonna have sorry. to delete this. We're, yes. No, 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 no. I'm telling you right now, we're deleting this. We're gonna nope, nope, <laughs> but, nope. But you get nope. an epidural with a baby. You can't have an epidural. You cannot okay. have a kidney stone. Okay, no, I would pass them there. Yeah, yeah, my friends are really sore. We have well. to. We're gonna have to delete this yeah, part Start because over. Michael and I have had many discussions. You lose. And, no, oh, I don't. No. You lose that one. Well, mm-hmm. cheers to being strong on our pelvic floors. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Don't pee your pants. Don't pee your pants. Don't right. pee your pants. Yes. Not cheers, normal. ladies. Potty, potty training for middle age. Cheers. Yes. Cheers. Here no, we are, guys. No depends. <laughs> no depends. No depends. Please. Oh, my God. Please. No depends. Thank you for joining the ladies of the Middle Age-ish podcast as they journey through the ups and downs of this not young, but definitely not old season of life. To hear past episodes or make suggestions for future episodes, visit www.middleageish.com. That's www.middleageish.com. You can follow along on social media at middleageish. Also, if you have a moment to leave a review, rate, and subscribe, that helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Once again, thank you so much for joining us. And we'll catch you in the next episode of the Middle Age-ish Podcast.